Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to a new episode of Friend Code. I'm joined by Matt Simmons of Yo Video Games. Hey, everyone. Freshly returned from the Aloha State, right? Yeah, I I was uh, really living that Chrono Cross remastered life. (laughs) <laughs> i got so um, i got so impressed by the backgrounds in that game i had to go see if they were real somewhere and they they, well, they spoil alert they are um, <laughs> just watch out you will get sunburned if you yeah. got my complexion <laughs> uh must have been relaxing though to get out there and stuff i'm sure like was it like as beautiful as you thought it would be like or more beautiful or maybe not as impressive as you thought like just like the scenery and stuff cuz the scenery is the scenery is gorgeous um especially like well for me cuz cuz it's funny cuz like this is again this is why I'm such like a big Xeno guy is because I I love environments and I love you know really beautiful environments in gaming so like the the sort of far like you know like the big mountain ranges and and the stuff like that and the wildlife and like the more rural stuff looks great the beaches look great for the most part um so yeah in that sense you know it's 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 really gorgeous because i you know i I went to i went to jurassic park um (laughs) and and like it's funny how like how it must have been real hilarious for people when that movie came out because it was if you lived on that island like it probably was just like going to work for you and it's supposed to be this 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 crazy tropical like you know oasis off the coast of costa rica or whatever and it's like no bro that's <laughs> that's nepali cliffs like you know that's 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 just down the street or whatever or that's down this highway kind of thing um but yeah it, it was it, it was cool because like i did like it was like half adventurous half just super relaxing um uh, I mean, if you if you if you got a travel bug and you kind of want to know, uh, Hawaii is kind of like a middle ground between uh, best coast. I'm sorry, West Coast, best coast, like style of current and temperature, and somewhere between, like say the the, the Gulf of Mexico, Caribbean, where it's not as it's humid, but it's not as humid as say if you're like if you're like a Florida native who lives like in the Keys or something. Um, I don't know. I don't know, who, I don't know if any of your listeners do, but like, if you've ever been, because I think you've probably been to Florida before and been to the beach. I think it's really humid down there, and Hawaii's humid, but not as humid. More, more, more breezy, more windy there. So, and you definitely get like surfable, you know, waves in some spots. So it's like, yeah, it's pretty cool. For me, it was just kind of like, yeah, I'm like, it's like being in Chrono Cross. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so that was actually that was actually pretty fun, and. Um, yeah, I, I'm such a nerd because, like, I, 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 for Christmas in 2019, so December 2019, I got this underwater MP3 player. Um, but it was December 2019, so you can imagine how much I got to use it <laughs> right after that. None. So this was the first time I actually got to go and use it. So if you know when I'm snorkeling around in in like coral reef area and stuff, I've got Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze and Chrono Cross music playing because that's the kind of nerd I am. <laughs> That's what I'd be uh, I, doing, I, man. Uh, I just qu- want to hear David Wise and Yasunori yep. Mitsuda, you know, as Aquatic I'm, as ambience, I'm man, swimming from around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, how do those, like, work, actually, underwater headphones? Are they just, like, normal looking? Like, I've never looked at them. I have they've no got, idea. Like, they've, they've got, like, particular, like, special, like, uh, type of rubber earbuds, like, right on the tip. And they kind of, like, really, kind of, like, really, you know, jam in and kind of create, like, a suction Okay, um, so actually, I was wondering how that would work. Yeah, with like water getting in there if it's airtight or something. 
Yeah, it's like a it's like a weird suction type of thing on there, and then they're just the the rest of it's like all encased and like coated in like certain like types of whatever plastic or rubber or whatever. So just super waterproof stuff. So Pretty it cool. works. It works. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was a lot of that was a lot of fun. But um, you know, it was my first time really getting out of the house <laughs> in in a couple of years. So. But it was it was it was something I planned with the with uh with my other co-host for Yo Video Games podcast with Andrew. Like we planned this for years, years, many years, maybe even a decade possibly. We just never got around to it. Pretty cool. So. Uh you can get a chance to sneak by uh Mistwalker's offices there by Bro, that crossed time. my mind <laughs> <laughs> when I was out there and I was kinda like I wonder if I'll see Sakaguchi surfing. Yeah. <laughs> like, how wild would that be? That'd be so cool. <laughs> oh, know, man. Get on, like, can, can you port last story to Switch? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, man, man. But, uh, yeah, it sounds like good times. I need to get myself out there at some point. I've never been to Hawaii. On my list of places to go, along with, like, uh, like New Zealand and uh, Australia at some point. Just to, yeah, to it, it, it's definitely one of two things. It's either like I don't want to do anything but sit in a hammock or on the beach, or it's I want to go kayaking and hiking, you know, and and like you know mega surfing. It's not, it's not like well at least where I went because I went to the Garden Isle, so it was like it's not a, a, a it was not a cornucopia of like entertainment stuff. Like there's no theme parks there, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's 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 not it's not Disney World. Yeah. So, if you if you want that sort of like really resorty pampered style thing, there is Oahu, which I have no idea because I didn't go to that island, and then there is Florida for that. But kind of depends on what you're looking for. I think you gotta like um and there and there's always there's always ways to find good affordable trips out there. I honestly feel um if you just do a little bit of digging, you also gotta like gotta know what you want, you know, um because for some people like it's not going to be that exciting, you know, to, to, to just be on a beach or snorkeling or whatever. Um, you know, if you're like super gamer, it's like, you should, I mean, this will be a lot more expensive, but like plan a, plan a trip in your life for Akihabara. Um, Cause that is like, that is its own weird nerd oasis. You know, there's so much like gaming and anime and deviant anime <laughs> stores all, all over you know that part of tokyo um which i think you've been there too right yeah um yeah like you go see like you go see super potato and stuff like that so um yeah it kind of just depends on what what you're looking for so um but just know i'll say i'm not gonna go to any secluded beaches anytime soon because i just watched old on hbo oh no Uh, like very cool premise. I'll say that. I'm not gonna spoil anything for anyone to see. Yeah, really good premise. Just the the whoever writes the dialogue, whether it's M Night Shyamalan or whoever, just terrible dialogue, man. It's so mm. stilted and jarring. It's just people do not come off naturally in his films anymore. In this one, so it's like the characters kind of stink in it. I feel like. I mean, yeah. I just beat Xenosaga trilogy. It can't be any worse than that. No, it's probably better than that. I'll give it that. <laughs> but like, like, yeah, really cool. Like, almost kind of like scientific explanation for what's going on. I kind of like that, and I almost kind of see like the the point of it without saying too much more. But anyway, yeah, 
yeah, the whole premise is they go to a secluded beach. It's like, oh, it's away from everything else. It's very exclusive. And then, like, you're fucked. <laughs> it was when I went to what was considered a sort of out of the way, you know, hard to get to beach. And it still had a ton of people there in Hawaii. Anyways, um, I've been to places in the Caribbean where, like, I see I will see five people in the span of a week. Um, and then in, in Hawaii, it was just like, it, like you could go to like you can go the more quote unquote quieter or the more like you know hey this is a little out of the way but it's got good good vistas or good views and it's like hey you get there there's like you know 50 to 100 200 people then you're like okay not that secluded <laughs> but yeah. whatever it's fine well uh you did say you hope that maybe uh mistwalker would put a you know Lost Odyssey on Switch is uh, <laughs> well, Lost know. Odyssey. Oh, oh, that I mean, yeah, I'd be generous if Microsoft did that. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry, what I mean, they could. What did you say? Sorry, last story. Last story. Gosh, darn it. Sorry, that was the I'll, three. I'll take, that yeah. was the three games. There's yeah, Blue like, Dragon, Lost Odyssey. I said Lost Odyssey, didn't story. I? My bad. Last yeah, yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. Last story. <laughs> the last, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, yeah, like it, it, very interesting. I'd love to see them get another crack, like get a remaster of that. Yeah, I, I, it needs something more like a remaster slash remake because it definitely doesn't need just like a really quick and dirty like port or upscale because it was a really cool game and had really cool ideas, but you could see it just like straight up like, you know, choking the life out of the Wii hardware. It's like it it really mm, needed a, a, better, a, a better specs or just more RAM or something. It just needed optimization. Like it needed it needed more stuff under the hood to run what it was wanted to do because it was a really cool game. Yeah, and again the battle battle system was great, but boy did it need it needed more hardware. Uh, so yeah, speaking of hardware, I mean it's kind of the the, the topic of conversation and, for this episode. Though so we're not, and here we are. Here we are. <laughs> um, so we're not going to talk about Switch Two, Switch Pro, or anything like that in sense of like. What like that type of episode? Instead, we got a quote. <laughs> they gave us enough to chew on from that this same investor meeting. Yeah. So the investor Q and A from the recent financial briefing, where you know Switch still setting records, software still selling, games still selling well. We don't really need to dive into that because that was kind of like last week's focus, especially on the the main on the Easy Allies podcast. We covered that. Uh, I was on that episode, talked in depth about that. But I did tease there that this episode would be about a specific answer that uh, Nintendo president. Uh, Shintaro Furukawa uh, gave mm-hmm. in regards to the transition to the next hardware and how and, they are uh, concerned with making that as smooth as possible. Yeah, and this is something that I think it came up last year, um, but I, I think it's 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 getting even even more. How do you say? It's, it's becoming even more relevant or, or just more, I think it's this thing Nintendo is like aware of and, and say they're trying to prepare for, and it's getting closer and closer to the day where they actually like, now it's time to worry about it kind of thing. Um, yeah. And that is the transition. And, and I thing the is, full, okay. I the I, full I, quote, if we want to give it, cause they, he does yeah, give let's, some, let's, he gives some, exa- an example here. I feel like um, this is kind of lengthy. So bear with me for a second. So this is his full, fine. The full uh, translated answer. And again, early translations had some uh, were there's some like arguments about the accuracy of them mm-hmm. because they said like it was a little bit more strongly worded than the actual like kind of the current the official translation is. But here we go. We have already announced a portion of our software roadmap releasing up to next spring. 
Unlike the past, we continue to have a large variety of games scheduled to be released even beyond five years of release. This is because the Nintendo Switch has had such a smooth launch, allowing us to focus all of our development resources on a single platform. However, the question of whether we will be able to just as smoothly transition from Nintendo Switch to the next generation of hardware is a major concern for us. Based on our experiences with the Wii, Nintendo DS, and other hardware, it is very clear that one of the major obstacles is how to easily transition from one hardware to the next. To help alleviate this risk, we're focusing on building long-term relationships with our customers while we will continue launching new software on Nintendo Switch. We will also provide services that also use Nintendo accounts and other IP outside of gaming software. We intend for this to help build a lasting impact with our customers. Right. So, so the concern I mean, uh, thing here is the thing I think was the, one of the things real quick was uh, the, that was some debate about that. But the, the, the point is they're focused on they want to have a smooth transition and as you obviously can read between the lines, it's like, yeah, we have a huge install base. We don't want a repeat of the Wii to Wii U again. And even this DS to mm-hmm. 3DS was a little bit, you know, kind of botched out of the gates before they kind of recovered with that. And 3DS went on to do very well, but they clearly have a lot of momentum here. And yeah, what are your thoughts on this, Simmons? Upon I, I, I this? think, okay, I think this goes I think this goes deeper than just just the the weed. I mean, that's that's recent, you know. And and I, and I realize there's definitely a lot of. I, I think people get surprised when like you when you really start pulling these numbers out because like, as the past gets further behind us, people kind of forget where Nintendo was and where and I mean where they were from a financial and number standpoint. Um, there's a lot of people who have this very fond beloved memory of the gamecube era and until the wii u came out the gamecube was nintendo's worst selling home console it was not doing great for them they were they were in a bunk um yes the wii u was much much worse but there's there's sort of like you gotta remember that like this has been kind of a problem for nintendo for a while now and and i think you know the I think Furkow has been around with the company for a long time. So he has to also be kind of aware of what's going on. And I just want to like going from Nintendo's own website, from their own, you know, stats, you have the Famicom, the Nintendo, and that sells 62. We're rounded up, right? 62 million, you know, Nintendo's were sold worldwide. Right. And then the Super NES comes out and it was 49. So you went from 62 to 49. So it's less. The Super Nintendo sold worse, sold less software than the nintendo and then you get to the n64 and it goes from 49 to 33 million mm. so it's kind of like it's slipping a little yeah, more it's going down uh, software is 225 as opposed to 379 mm-hmm. um and the vast 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 majority of nintendo 64 sales came from north america um and then you have the gamecube so you're at you're rounding it up you're at 22 million um GameCube sold 21.74. So let's just think about that. From from the NES, you had 62, and then the lifetime sales of the GameCube were 22. So you basically had just been slipping every console generation. You lost 40 million um, like people who never came back. 
So they were just slipping, 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 slipping. And then the Wii comes out and it's, it's at, it goes to 101, 100, 102, if you want to round it up. Right. That's, that's even better than, than the NES and the Famicom. Um, that's like, it's like 40% better, you know, than, than the NES Famicom. Like that's how, that's how big the a, a deal the Wii was as a home console. So they, they were just, they were on a, a slope just going down every single generation. No matter how you felt about the consoles, no matter, you know, most people would say like Super NES was the best console of all time. The GameCube was Nintendo's best era. And it's like all it was was just downward for them. And then you had the Wii, which was this huge explosion. But then it was like you fell right down in the depths of hell with with the Wii U. So you went from 102 to 13 and a half on the Wii U. So the Wii U was this huge disaster. And now here we come back again, come back strong with. We're at 107, 108 rounding switches sold, which is now even better than the Wii. So Nintendo has basically, we had a big hit and then was then we sold worse and then worse and then worse. And then we sold more than ever and then we did worse than ever. And now we've done even better than ever. Yeah. So I think Nintendo's looking at this and just going like, how do we not do this again? And it's a good thing to ask yourself because yeah. like, Man, do you do you, like, <laughs> you don't want to have you don't want to have the pendulum swing super far back the other way where you have a system that some, somehow sells worse yeah. than the Wii U. Yeah, exactly. So, like even I would say they would even be happy with like not a significant drop. Just like a, even a tiny dip would be acceptable mm-hmm. to them because how insane the momentum of Switch has been. Like if if Wii U had even sold like. 70 million or something they'd probably be like you know what that's not too bad but like it's not too bad they yeah. can't I mean, it would go still be ba- more than the NES. yeah like you can't they can't have another drastic drop off like that um and and you're absolutely right so yeah we, the gr- great history here in these points so my question now to you simmons is like what do you think it, is it going to take for them to achieve that smooth transition well a smooth okay the obvious answer is to not throw out everything that they've built with the switch and i think it's really important to note is that the digital age and and through two years of this pandemic and everything so much of people's libraries are now tied digitally to the switch and the last thing you want to do is do a full console refresh uh, like the switch was to the wii u like the wii u you could play you know all your downloaded wii games like WiiWare and stuff and there was like a dollar fee if you want like an hd mm-hmm. you know version of some some of the games but nintendo went really scorched earth after the wii u you know just because they had a whole different online thing called nintendo network and that's gone and that was and gone with idea, the switch yeah. um and now they sell you the Nintendo Switch online, which in a way is kind of what every company wants to do. Because now you can't just go buy NES games or Super NES games or N64 games or Genesis games for some reason. Um, you don't buy them. You buy, you pay for access through a subscription service to play the games, you know, basically like, like a Netflix, like a Game Pass. You don't own them. But unlike Game Pass, there is no path to ownership of the Nintendo Switch Online titles. So you went from, you could buy the games you wanted on the Wii and technically the Wii U. And now the only way to play retro games is to pay a yearly subscription fee or monthly if you want to do NES, Super NES, but mm-hmm. yearly for N64. Yeah. You know, 
I know people get real particular about, you know, semantics there, but um, point is, is that it's probably like what Nintendo likes because now you're, you're locked into a subscription. You don't own the product. You know, you have access to the product as long as you keep paying them yearly. So that's probably where Nintendo wants to be, but it also presents this other problem now too, where we're missing a lot of games. Like if you looked at what the entire scope and breadth of, of what the Wii Virtual Console offered. You know, you had, you had stuff like Commodore 64. You had obscure Japanese imports. You know, you had Turbo Turbo CD games. Um, there's no option for that here. Like, you have just Nintendo Super Nintendo Genesis 6 N64, and you have a very curated small selection of games. And, and it's basically like a sort of best of first-party games and then any third-party games that are completely from completely dead publishers. And the reason for this is, is usually because you, you look at why is there no Mega Man? Why is there no Final Fantasy? Because Square wants to sell them. They want to sell them separately in their remaster collections or, mm-hmm. you know, in their compilation games, you know, the anniversary collections, you know? So by having this weird subscription based model, we actually are getting less and less actual nes super nes titles and and i think that's already a bit of a raw deal if you were around for the wii you know for for virtual console and stuff like that and i think the the worst thing nintendo could do is do another scorched earth with say like a a new system and say we have a new online setup and none of your stuff transfers over yeah so then it's like you got to like subscribe to a whole new thing or you know and again with all the downloaded titles because like you look at like animal crossing and people have done you know thousands of hours in animal crossing like sometimes individually the last thing, I mean, well, I mean, eventually they're going to have to make a new Animal Crossing, but like, like you look at like, I, I just look at games like that in Splatoon 2 and 3 and, and I don't think people are going to want to just drop all the progress they've made with their titles on the Switch and just not have access to play them. What I'm getting at here is a very long-winded form of their their next system needs to be fully compatible with the current switch and every single thing you bought and own on the switch needs to transfer to the next system and i have to say because i was on vacation and i have a i have a switch oled i realized how insanely archaic and stupid <laughs> you know it is to try to play. so i i logged in I logged in and I, I like I booted up each game that I had downloaded on my OLED, you know, right before the flight. And then I get on the <clears> flight and I realize that if it's a downloaded title, it want it has to manually check in online every single time to make sure the software can be played. And I think it has something to do with like, is this not your main switch, right? You know, where it's like it's my account and mm. I've logged into it. I logged into it that day, but yeah, they want you to check online every, and when you're on a plane, you're you you should be in airplane mode. You can't you know check every downloaded game, so you have to like resort to like your cartridge games. But then you lose all DLC you've downloaded for it. Like they need to work out a better system for for like transferring like like you know uh, you know uh, ownership around because it's like I feel like what they do with NSO is okay. Is okay. Like if I go into Nintendo NES online or switch online, like I do that before I get on my flight. Like I do it for my hotel room. I don't have to check in again. Like it's good for like, I don't know, a day or a couple days or whatever. Right. But not the downloaded games that I paid money for. 
super bizarre. Like stuff like that is something you really need to, I, I, I want to see ironed out for like a switch too, you know, cause when you transfer over to us, whatever, I, whatever successor you get, you need to be carrying those, those titles with you. Like, and then this is talking about like Mario Odyssey. You're talking about like Kirby and the forgotten land. You're talking about stuff like that. Like, you know, you just bought, you bought these games. I shouldn't have to like dig out my switch to play them on the next system. There's no reason in this day and age of scalability that you shouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. It seems like, especially we'll get into it in a sec, if they, especially if they're going to keep like a hybrid format where handhelds going to be remain. Like mm-hmm. it seems to be a handheld system, not having that solution in place is definitely kind of problematic. And it'd be nice to see that ironed out. Now I want to start with the, the first thing you talked about, like the retro catalog. Let's start there. Um, the the carrying over, I imagine the the services will probably definitely carry over. Like Nintendo Switch Online, everything they've said and they've been building towards does seem like this is what this new account system has been for will carry over. My question is about, honestly, for me, retro stuff might not be the most important of the things we're going to be talking about. But to some people, it is very important. And I want to ask you about the... Uh, the potential future solutions they might do in terms of we saw today. Um, and you even said, like, I know you already told me that like, this is, this should be expected. Like companies should be doing this period. And if they're not, it's, it is a problem. Uh, Sony announcing the details of PlayStation plus premium and everything and extra and all those different ones. And that the retro catalog, if you had previously bought a PS one classic or a PS two classic, when those become available on the service, you already have access to them for free. And some of those games will be available piecemeal. So is that something the, I think the latter one is probably the more relevant of like Nintendo ever allowing people to buy Mm -hmm. games individually again, like virtual console. So a, do you see Nintendo ever trying to do something like this? And do you which of these two if either would you think would be like very beneficial to people buying piecemeal or if you already bought like let's say they found a way like oh i mean they're never going to do this so like the 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 carrying over thing is like not going to happen because no one owns individual games anymore it would have been they did it from wii to wii u but they're not doing it again they're not going to go back and look at your wii u purchases and be like all right you get these back and like they're not going to do that there is no reason for nintendo not to offer individual sales now from what i understand Nintendo and a lot of third-party people in particular, like Sega, whatever, felt a little burned from Virtual Console because apparently the, the, the numbers weren't really that great. Um, but I think that's just sort of a mis- mi- mismatch of, of uh, demographics there where it's like, okay, you're selling Turbo Graphics and Obscure Genesis titles. The main audience on the Wii doesn't really... Care about that stuff or whatever. Me and I haven't really heard about it, so I can understand why you know, like virtual console sales for like some of the more crazy obscure stuff wasn't ever really that great. Um, And I think it probably wasn't even great for Nintendo. They probably got like the early launch titles probably sold really well, and then after that it was kind of like, eh, like they sold okay whenever they came around here. Um, You know, even Reggie talked about in his book about maybe using Earthbound Beginnings as a sort of gauge of interest trojan horse for for somehow getting mother three out here um but it's a wii u and it came out late in the wii u so it doesn't <laughs> i probably didn't sell anything at all but um so the idea is that like okay sony your account for sony for psn does go back to the ps3 and if you downloaded uh let's say let's say you downloaded xenogears for ps1 like you have it on your account 
for your and on your PlayStation 3, you know, like I do. If that shows up on PlayStation Premium, I can just download the title. Just just straight download. I don't have to sign up. I don't even have to sign up for PlayStation Premium. Like once it's on, you know, Sony's PlayStation Premium store or or sorry, their live service, if they see that I own that title, like I paid real world money to buy it on PS3, I can now download it on my PS5 or PS4 because they're not they're not there right now. Like there's a lot of PlayStation 1 games that just don't exist on PS4, PS5 that were available on PlayStation 3. And here's the thing, like I said, Nintendo did go scorched earth, but do you remember like about, I don't know, a month or two ago, Nintendo had this fun little thing on their website to see what was your most played Wii U title, your Wii U memories, and your 3DS oh, yeah, memories. Yep, 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 yep. So guess what? Nintendo knows what you purchased mm-hmm. on the Wii U and the 3DS. They even have a thing that they launched this year that lets you go back and look at which game did you play the most. So they actually... On your My Nintendo account, they know exactly what you played, what you owned on the Wii U, on the 3DS. And there is no good reason for Nintendo not to offer the same type of service that Sony's going with to just be like, okay, I don't want to sign up for Nintendo Switch Online. But they know through your My Nintendo account, if it's linked, they know exactly what you own, what you played on the Wii U. So if you owned Mario 64 or Super Mario World on the on the virtual console on the Wii U and Nintendo knows it it's in their account system you should be able to just download <sighs> that game a la carte on the Switch there is no reason for them not to do that other so, than it would eat into our Nintendo Switch online sales or well, or the it's, it's, their dinosaurus esque belief that it would I mean I think we the answer is there it's I mean it's not just that you're talking about like, like with the retro games but also like the regular releases how much of a uproar did people make about uh any of those uh Wii U games coming to switch and being charged more money than like yeah. how much they cost oh at yeah the time on Wii tax. U so like yeah like the Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze if you own that on Wii U wouldn't it have been nice maybe to even just pay like the ten dollar upgrade like what Sony offers for some yeah. of their games for like well, the, I can the, under- the next, yeah but they don't even do that they make you pay well, full price yeah and i could understand them saying like well that was a disc-based system and this is a cartridge-based system but i think if you digitally downloaded That's tropical what I meant. freeze yeah. on the on the wii u yeah. you should have had a upgrade path for mm-hmm. say twenty dollars yep. they, they added new content to tropical freeze i don't want to say they didn't right um so i think like a ten dollar or twenty dollar depending on like how much they added right i think that would have been a fair thing to like hey you did own this on the Wii U, we'll give you an upgrade path for like the Switch version, or you don't have to pay full price. Because the thing a lot of people forget: Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze launched in February 2014, I believe, was for 2014 for fifty dollars. It was a fifty dollar game, and then it was one of the one of the early games to go on the Nintendo Selects line, where it spent a lot of its time afterwards as a twenty dollar game. So you had a game that was twenty, and this this was became a problem with Pikmin. Remember when they tried to get rid of Pikmin Three from the Wii U eShop, mm-hmm. so that people who were going to buy Pikmin Three Deluxe for sixty dollars, you know, it didn't look like, hey, wait a minute, why are you selling a twenty dollars game for sixty dollars? Um, and so when Tropical Freeze came out on the Switch, it was sixty dollars. It was more expensive day one on the Switch than it was day one on the Wii U, and all it added really was funky mode. Um, and funky mode is okay, maybe worth ten dollars, right? 
So it's like, it should have, you know, again, if you had downloaded it through the eShop on the Wii U, you should have just been, you want to pay 10 bucks for, for Tropical Freeze with Funky Mode on Switch? Cool. Um, I'm not saying they need to add, like, they should have, like, juggled different versions of the game. on. No, I'm just saying, like, if, if you, Nintendo knows what you digitally downloaded on 3DS and the Wii U. So if any of those those games on the 3DS and the Wii U ended up coming over to Switch, and Nintendo knows you paid for it and digitally downloaded it before. Yeah, um, I understand physical is different, but if they if you did digitally download it and they know it, they should have given you an option to like, you know, hey, you can re-download it for like a like a small fee, you know, a small up you know upgrade fee for the Switch. Okay, rather than the Switch taxing, and and I think that's one good way to keep in people's good graces for a new system. Okay, so that this is would have solved a previous issue, but uh stay on the 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 the, the current lineup of backwards compatibility because I think that's a part of the smooth transition mm-hmm. is your current software the is the expectation should the expectation be there that your current software will just automatically work on a Switch successor? Like I I don't think there should be uh an up like it, it should just work inherently. I mean, I'm thinking even the cartridges should be backwards compatible with that because I think they're going to stick with that. So you should be able to physical or digital day one. I should be able to play these games on my on my new Switch, uh, hopefully. Yeah. And if they do do some kind of like enhanced version or whatever, then sure, like a nominal fee for like the upgrade. That seems to be the standard as long as they do that. Like, is that is that your expectation? Is that what people should yeah, be expecting? Yeah, it is because, and the reason I say this is because you look at the PS5 and the Series S and X, and they're basically, they're, they're 100, basically 100% backwards compatible, like 99.9% backwards compatible with PS4 and Xbox Ones. Um, and the reason for that is is very they have similar architecture or whatever just but the whole way game consoles are developed now is with scalability in mind we we are we are long past the days where like okay you released a game on the super nes there was no way to scale that down to the nes when you release a game on n64 no no there's no way to play it on super nintendo um same with game like even more relevant like gamecube n64 like no the n64 could not run a scaled down version of any you know first party maybe warioware but like there's no way like anyone you know anything on n60 like you know anything on gamecube could could be scaled down to run square you have a game like doom eternal and witcher 3 which have no business running on a switch no business being able to operate at all on that system but they do because because of talented developers and scalability like again like doom eternal should not run on the switch but it does um and and that's why when when you're talking about a new system and again they are going with nvidia we know this from my corporate hack um which isn't which isn't an insider league this is like actual honest to god like (laughs) corporate espionage bullshit illegally obtained Um, but it's still like the truth (laughs) we 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 know we know they're working with nvidia again and you know they're you know there's no reason for it not to basically be uh like backwards fully backwards compatible there's no reason not to and i think industry-wide there's a perception like how far back, you know, like the, the iPhone eventually stuff becomes outdated, right? 
you know, we're on iPhone 13, 14, whatever, right? Oh, oh yeah. I, I have games on my iPhone 8 right now. I have an old iPhone by just yeah. today's standards. But there's two games on there that when I try and go to them, it's, it's like they don't run on this platform anymore. So, like, yeah, mm-hmm. stuff does on iOS does become outdated eventually. It does become – but it takes a little bit of time. Oh, yeah. It's not like you know, one like, refresh is not generally, like, common as far as I right. understand. It's like Which a, is years. Which is – you know, I think Nintendo kind of like I know they like to march to the beat of their own drum and they like, you know, to be their own their own like, you know, again, their own their own dinosaur. But we're in an era where like when people people buy mobile phones like every year, but like even if they don't buy it every year, or every few years, most everything they buy on their mobile phone will will transfer up, you know, between, you know, the, the, the app store and, and Android. Right. Like stuff sticks around for a while. Mm-hmm. PS5 is mostly playing is still mostly playing PS4 games. You know, Xbox Series X is still mostly playing Xbox One games or games that scale between both. So Nintendo could very, 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 very easily just we have a new model. It's way better than the old model. However, everything from the old model still works here. And heck, we could even still again like because because when we're talking about a new like say like say it's just an upgrade from what they have another hybrid you know a super switch right you know the long rumored whatever right no one no one in their right mind is expecting a switch successor to somehow be as powerful as as a ps5 or a, a series s or x right no one's expecting that that kind of power leap right you're probably at best you should be expecting like okay it's gonna maybe match a ps4 vanilla Maybe a PS4 Pro, unlikely, whatever. Um, I know the rumors talk about DLSS and, and 4K, but my point is, is that a, a straight up successor to the Switch is not going to be some massive technological leap forward. It'll be, it can be a lot better, but again, you can still scale down. So if Nintendo wanted to say, make Super Mario Odyssey 2, just just making something up, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, you know, it's 4K, it uses deep learning super sampling, you know, it's made to, for all these bells and whistles of the Switch successors, the Switch 2, but it could still actually run on the original Switch. It'll okay. just be 720p, yeah. you know, it's still 720p, maybe it's only half the frame rate. It's exactly how Witcher 3 and Doom Eternal run on the Switch now. Like Nintendo can then scale down its own games because again, we are we are in the era of scalability. Now, the, the hardcore enthusiast in me kind of like, you know, screams in terror at this idea <laughs> because then you're sitting there like, you're holding games cross, back. Yeah, the whole cross and and, and, dread, and, yeah. and and honestly, I as a PS5 owner from day one, I feel that. I do feel like, man, my system's not really getting a lot of use. Like, I'm still playing games that are made for PS4 and then just sort of bumped up, you know, with PS5 and like, you know, as in mind, like, hey, you it's a PS4 game. It just runs better and looks, looks a little nicer on PS5. And it feels like, why did, why, why, why do I have this giant, giant next gen, you know, looking system, the size of a mini fridge. Um, And it's not even really being used for any, like it's not being taken advantage of at all. And that becomes a problem because now we're what, two years, almost two years in to the PS5's console generation. And like, it has like four games (laughs) that are only on PS5. So, you know, I, I, that, that's where I say the enthusiast, you know, in me would be like, no, like, don't, don't make it, don't make it forward compatible. Like, don't make new Nintendo games forward compatible on the old system, just run and look better on the new system. And I'm, 
but the practicality in me just says yeah, yeah whatever so that's the thing i feel like nintendo would be the most likely to embrace that and keep that going because it, it solves the following things one the small bump is going to capture the enthusiasts. They might not be happy, but enthusiasts, Nintendo consumers generally show they'll 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 they will pay and and like go for that like newer model. I mean, the breakdown showed that OLED wasn't the best selling of the three different Switch SKUs, but that it mm-hmm. still was selling pretty decently, especially compared to like Switch Lite, yeah. which was selling outselling. So well, my Switch pr- Lite dropped like a rock year to year. Yeah, my, my, I thought the, that was interesting. Yeah, my, the point I'm trying to make is you're going to capture the enthusiasts because those are people want to move mm-hmm. forward. They want the better looking things. You're going to you're going to keep getting those sales, but you're not abandoning the people who maybe are recent adopters of the switch. And so to them, a switch sale, I think they can view a switch sale as a switch sale, whether it's the new switch or the old switch. It's like as long as those two numbers equal up to like what they have been selling with switch right now, like 20 to 25 million range every fiscal year, as long as the combined sales of the switch family are within that threshold, I think they're going to view it as a success to them. And that to them is maintaining a like is it is creating a smooth transition. So that's why I think they're more likely to do the the. The, the, what you were saying that you kind of dread as a enthusiast because it appeals to more people and keeps that going. And Nintendo has yeah. never been about that bleeding edge, like higher end thing. So like, I don't yeah. think the switch will be so switch successor be such a leap forward that it'll be like a pain in the ass to make their games run on the older switch models. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's probably, <sighs> You know, so I, mean, it's, I think it's a future you really kind of got to like just maybe you don't even have to embrace it, but you got to accept it. Like you got to just, you know, mentally prepare yourself that um, what Nintendo might in all likelihood do is they come out with a switch successor and it is beefier, but they still make games compatible with the old system. And part of me doesn't even mind that, honestly, because like it, it's like, OK, if you can get Breath of the Wild you know, for like the really mainstream, if you can get that to run at 60 and then really improve its, its FOV and, and depth of, you know, you know, whatever a depth of field, I forget the, the, the term like Bruin foil, it stops popping in. If you push that out even further, mm-hmm. um, man, I don't really care anymore about, you know, I mean, yeah, it won't look like horizon two or whatever, but it, you know, with the number, with the say, and I think we've seen it too, with the sales of like breath of wild one, like, it's a beautiful game, but it you put it side by side with Horizon, and, and and yeah, it definitely looks it looks real old. But at the same time, it's also like yeah, but it also has good art style, and it still looks pretty, and I can still see to the horizon. You know, it's still got the things I want in the game, even if it isn't the most like you know face meltingly um, gorgeous game with all kinds of like technology and, and artistry like running you know super bells and whistles or running whatever um i personally you know you know if you've been listening with me on here you know me like i'm most excited for xenoblade 3 and i'm most excited for it because like monolith has done magic they did magic on the wii with environments and and the scale of environments and 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 the artistry of the environments and honestly i'd be fine playing you know xenoblade 2 or 3 or definitive on a successor system that it just dlss is like just upscales them and then it just 
runs them better. Like they start running at like 60 or, you know, or, or hell, like a, a stable 30, you know, all the time, 30. And it's like, I'm fine with this, man. Like, um, yeah, there's, I think art's going, like it's starting to become more and more rel- like, you know, I think, I think the industry is kind of embracing the idea that like art is becoming really more important to selling your, your game now, because we can make anything look as real as we want. Like if you saw that unreal five oh, yeah. matrix matrix tech demo, and it's, yeah, it's we incredible. Yeah. We've tried that out but live. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's also kind of like, here's the thing, like, yes, you can make a city look as, you know, as nitty gritty detailed down to the, you know, down to the inches you want, but if you don't have a good art style, what's it going to matter? Um, so I think now we're, we're really getting to that point where it's like, you know, we don't like, we can make games as big and as expansive as we want. Now switch does have trouble with this on, on a lot of areas right now, but again, a lot of that kind of comes down to like, if people are taking the time to like dig into that hardware now, but again, you look at breath of Wild, that is a Wii U game, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it still runs on the Wii U. Um, and it's like, you can make games as big and as expansive as you want, but man, if you're, if, if you don't have the artistry to really um, sell that game, what's it matter kind of thing. So that's what you need more importantly now. So I, I think for me, I'm more into the, in the idea of just, I want games to run better, smoother. Yeah, I'm and I'm you. a little personally, I'm a little tired of Switch games chugging, you know, and you know, yeah, low IQ, low low resolution or whatever. I just want, I just want the the resolution and performance to be bumped. So, so, so I'm 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 happy with just that. Yeah, I, so I'm with you with that. I'm, I'm I'm definitely would like to see more stability in Switch games going forward, especially when the successor comes out. If that's like one of the specific things they target. Uh, one thing I want to get into, kind of writing off this, because you kind of postulated this like hypothetical about the hybrid format um, being for the successor, and I think that's probably a good guess. So I want to ask you one. Or is it safe? Do you think it's a good bet that they, or do you think they'd be crazy not to adopt the hybrid format again for the successor? Or do you think they might abandon it? And two, um, specifically to Easy Allies, uh, there was some feedback recently regarding our attitudes towards mobile gaming, and especially handheld gaming, and that maybe there's a bit of a disconnect for some of us regarding. Um, the the appeal of playing games on the go and not having like some of that image quality not having some of that stability but the fact that you can just play it anywhere on the go is like amazing like the fact that you can play i know witcher dock mode doesn't even run like it's a fantastic you can even run at that but like you can play it in handheld so like people like i don't care i just want to play it so one yeah what do you think about the hybrid format going forward or do you think they can ban it and two um do you think uh, more there's a good you know amount of attitude out there regarding um handheld the handheld format where they're more accepting of lower iq maybe not always hitting a stable even a 30 frame sta- stability uh, i i think nintendo will probably stick with hybrid because it was so successful uh, if they were to abandon it they would they would only abandon it for portability they're never going back to home console only at okay. least not in the first because again what 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 would if Nintendo had a home-based console only? Like I know there are people out there who are just like I just want a bleeding edge Nintendo, and I'm like the GameCube was considered basically a failure. Um, they're never going back to a set box top system 
that you know has no portability factor and is just that because they can't compete with Microsoft's you know technology or whatever and they don't want to and they don't want to they don't want to sell you a five hundred dollar home console and again the other thing is that you know for as global of a successful company as Nintendo is they are still very insular when it comes to like what do they design their systems around they design it well honestly they still design their systems around the the the, the typical Japanese um, lifestyle they don't really. Don't really go like think about what would what would America really like or what would Europe like? No, they're mostly thinking about people who are on those commuter trains. But also, you know, like so, to expand upon that real quick, I mean, a lot more of the world is getting more mobile. Like, I mean, it's why yeah, the and, phone market is so are. big. And it's, it's like so, it's not even just that. It's like it's just smart to have a, a portable system is probably a better idea than a set like set top well, box. The, the, like the David and Goliath thing though is that everyone has a phone. And everyone's phone can mm-hmm. do really good, can can run really, you know, yeah. good looking games now. So yeah. it's kind of amazing in a sense that Nintendo's able to be successful in a handheld space, you know, despite the fact that everyone has a smartphone now and most people's smartphones can run games really well. Um I think it's the the interface and the game design because the, the they're yeah, tailored it's... to their own systems because they're they are still a hardware manufacturer. I think that's their expertise. They're experts in making portable game machines. And mm-hmm. while mobile phones can be game machines, that's not all they do. And so while they've definitely gotten better and they're very like they are the most popular platform, um, there's still a huge demand for more or something yeah. tailored more specifically to. Uh, maybe old school or traditional, however you want to call it, gamer interest, you know, for... for... And and again, I think if... I think just holding out kind of with the way they're going is good because um, there's people like me who I only primarily play my system docked, honestly. Only when I have to get onto a plane do I do I pull out the OLED. And it's like, all right, and God dang, that OLED screen is beautiful. Um, <laughs> You know, that's the only time I'm really playing it portably is you know when I'm on when I'm on like a like a big trip or whatever, but I mostly play it docked. If they can really come up with a, a decent a decent solution for docked play, again, like all their successor really needs to do is bring in stability and resolution. If you can just nail down stability and resolution, you know, a little bit better than what you got now, I think most people will be fine with that. And I'll be fine with that. Um and then you've got the portability factor for all the other people because a lot of people, a lot of people only play their Switch portable. Heck, there's a lot of Switch lights out there, um, and I and I think it's just the form factor. Like, you can play any genre of game on a touchscreen. You know, you can. I'm not saying you can't. I'm not knocking it. Some people like get good at it, um, but. There's also a lot of people who are like, it just feels better to have that full configuration of buttons, face buttons, shoulder buttons, analog sticks. That's just some about that that just feels way better to play, you know, traditional games than playing that, you know, with with like, you know, mimics buttons and analogs on the touchscreen. Tactile Um, feedback, too. I mean, it's like and I'm talking about like haptics, talking about like actual like the curvature of buttons like the grooves like yeah how it, like yeah like the form factors you said like mm-hmm. it, i would i yes a lot of us grew up with this so like you could say like oh it's that's an old dinosaur mentality but i also think to younger people some people do like that feel like 
I've seen yeah. people who play both and they're like, oh, I do like a controller. Or like, I mean, you can like both. I don't understand. Like, it's not really yeah. either or. It's not honestly. like the Switch yeah. could, can't do either. Because again, a really unsung hero is, and people hate them because they don't work. But like, none of them work. Um, is the is is the Joy Cons? You know, yes, they drift. Yeah. Um, everyone's drifts. Um, I have three busted PlayStation controllers with drift. Um, it's not a Nintendo only problem. But the Joy Cons, like, you can slide them out, and now you have just a, like basically a little ta- a tiny tablet. You could play like that if you wanted to, if someone wanted to do that. But I did this on the plane. You know, you you take it out. You, you had the much better kickstand on the OLED. You know, hand one off to your girlfriend. You sitting there playing. We're both playing Kirby co-op. Now, the Joy-Cons are a little, little tiny, for, you know, for my big old Gorilla Fingers. But like Kirby for like five hours. <laughs> you know, yeah. just that's something that you can't really do with an iPhone. Like you could like, hey, sync up with me, you know, or like let's Bluetooth or you know, you could sit there and both kind of like, you know, like play on your own system or whatever. But there is something kind of nice about just like plopping this thing, you know, on, on like, you know, the kickstand open. Hey, here's a controller. I got a controller. We got two controllers. Boom, like that. Um, th- there's something to be said for just how sort of like simple, you yeah. know, just just a very pull it up and play it can go on on, on regular Switch models. Obviously, the Switch Lite can't do that, but um yeah. There, there's. It's not just that it's a hybrid console, but it's like it does have unique things to like really make it playable in all kinds of different scenarios. Yeah. Now, I will say I'm a primarily a handheld mode player of the the Switch um, games that I big releases I'll play. Obviously, uh, docked, especially if I'm reviewing them. I go always play that docked for capture. But I will always at some point start playing it in handheld mode. And I also got like an OLED now. And like, yeah, that screen is amazing. But man, I like I just love the portability about it. So for me, I understand the desire of that bleeding edge Nintendo. You're like, man, I wish like Breath of the Wild could just like look like uh, like running on PS like on PC or something. Like, why why can't it like do that? But at the same time, I actually do so from day like pretty much from day one. I've loved being able to just like play that system like it, because you used to always have to have a home, you used to always have Nintendo console, Nintendo handheld. Now it's like you got both. You don't have to buy two things anymore, and I kind of love yeah. that. It was like the inevitable evolution of Nintendo's philosophy and, and business mo, and I, I I really like it. So and um, and and it's a really good point because that goes back to what Furukawa said. Mm-hmm. He talked about we combined. Our, our portable and console developers. Yep. And this made it quicker and smoother to just have a streamline of game releases because there is no more portable system to worry about. And we're really seeing, it, it took a while, but we're seeing the fruits of that labor. And then there was another, I don't know if it was an article or just like a topic brought up. It was a really good point, And that is Nintendo's pipeline is significantly better this year than both Sony and Microsoft. Um, like Sony's okay, right? But, you know, they had a couple big releases at the beginning of this year, but those were both releases that were delayed into this year. Like Grand Turismo 7 was delayed a lot. Horizon oh, had a little bump, yeah. right? Okay, boom, boom. Horizon 2 and Grand Turismo 7. And, you know, th- those are big titles that came out at the beginning of the year, but they were kind of like delayed into it. And you have God of War some point later in the year. And that's kind of all we know. Microsoft, no first party games this year whatsoever. As of right now, you know, things could change in a month. 
But as of right now, there are no Microsoft first party. No Microsoft first party games came out the first half of the year. No Microsoft first party games come out the second half of the year. Meanwhile, Nintendo has got a first party game or two practically every month of the year this year, like August and May kind of being the out outliers. Although if Nintendo wanted to, they could they could dump Advance Wars out tomorrow, you know, and have a May game. Um, so, you know, that that's saying in limbo, but like they have a pipeline of, of, of software to cover this entire year and in the next spring with, with Zelda. So it's a really good point about how Nintendo's really coming out of this smooth. And another thing he said, which is important is that like, you know, we're five years into the console. You look back and I know you'll remember this. The last year of the Wii U, that system only lasted four years. The last year of the Wii U was, was dead. It had Paper mm-hmm. Mario Color Splash come out. Um, and then you had the last year of the, of not the last last year, but like kind of the last year of the Wii. Like 2011 was a ghost town until Skyward Sword, Scor- uh, Skyward Sword came out. And then it was a ghost town until the Wii U came out. Um, and then that, on the Wii, and then the GameCube, same kind of deal. Like Twilight Princess was going to be the big swan song and ended up becoming like a Wii launch title. So 2006 was was a ghost town for you know for 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 the GameCube, yeah. And that last year of the N64 in 2001 was a ghost town. They bumped Paper Mario into like April 2001 uh, just to have something to sell before uh, the GameCube came out. And so this you know, like the them having a good pipeline this year and for the foreseeable future is very good for this smooth transition potentially because the Nintendo can maintain a steady flow of games. Yeah. They won't have that kind of drop off of there's nothing coming out. And like, even if it's, you know, these games, like, we're expecting these games to run on both systems when eventually the successor comes out, like that just makes it more enticing to yeah. play because even if you don't have next gen only games ready to go, it's like, you need to have something ready to go. And, you know, I would yeah. yeah. Also, I think clarify, we're already, yeah, go ahead. Real quick, you you said Zelda in spring. That's just your that's your expectation. There's no we haven't had a release date yet for, for correct, a while. Yeah. correct. We did, well, they said spring. Yeah, so it's just like that's that's what they said. Uh, but like the thing is, I think it's a good point as always that they're not they they did this too much. They did this Wii U, Wii, uh, GameCube, N64. They left their systems basically out to dry before the next system came along. And that's and, a terrible that was, recipe for it was a terrible momentum. Recipe. Yeah, yeah like, and, and it, it was the stop your old system in the tracks and like just force everyone to jump onto the new one. Yeah, like that's it, not the that's not a smooth transition. And and, and that came about by because I think they just had to have everyone focused on new hardware. We need to have launch games ready, so you can't be making games for the old stuff. And the the real big problem there was like this was back. This goes all the way back to the N sixty four and stuff, where it's like it what did not take as many people or as long to make a big video game, you know, in two thousand two thousand one didn't. But they still had to basically leave the system out to die, so they could have a bunch of stuff ready for the GameCube's launch. Um, but again, we're not in that era where the console generations are are the leaps make it impossible to to have you know both system games what i'm saying is like we're not in an era where like they had to make luigi's mansion and pikmin and smash melee and they couldn't make that on the n64 you couldn't have a downgraded n64 version just just couldn't do it 
you had to have that on GameCube only. So they had to leave the N64 to die. They had to leave the GameCube to die. They didn't really have to leave the GameCube to die. Wii was basically a GameCube. Um, that's on them. <laughs> but Wii U with their HD. And Miyamoto has talked about in the past, about, oh, HD development was was more costly and time-consuming than we thought it would be. I'm like, you know, come on, Miyamoto. You, 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 you had like 10 years of watching the other guys flounder around. How did you not? Well, whatever. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I think we're seeing right now, they're already like, we're not going to leave the Switch out to die with software. And I think a big part of that to me is the fact that their next system will be a hybrid and it will be forward compatible. And in fact, I, this, this is me, this is theory crafting, but I seem, I have a very strong feeling that a lot of games coming out this year are going to run better on Nintendo's next system next year. Hmm. And why do I say next year? Because Furukawa was interesting in what he didn't say at oh, this investors meeting. Yeah. He declined to comment about an investor asking about if there was going to be new hardware launched this year. And he has always typically said, we have no plans. We have no plans. Three months later, here's the new thing. We have no plans here. Now he's like, I'm declining to completing the fifth. Uh, to me, that might as well have been a confirmation from that guy. No, maybe. And I, like that's the thing. Just always keep in mind that trying to predict what Nintendo do based on past stuff isn't always the best recipe. However, he's talking to investors here. So what he says is very important. And I think it's a little bit safer in this context to read between the lines and like draw conclusions from, from these types of statements. I, 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 you know, people are going to be whatever. I don't know why people get mad about stuff, but, and, and if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It's not, you know, skin off my back. It's not the end of the world, but I think Breath of the Wild 2 is being prepped for a successor. It's going to run on both. It's going to run better on the successor. I wouldn't be and surprised think, by this. And least bit. Yeah. And I think there's going to be updates, whether it's free. It probably will be free for Bayonetta 3 and Splatoon 3 and probably Xenoblade 3 since Monosoft's making both Simmons. Breath of the Wild and Xenoblade 3. What if those upgrades are paywalled behind NSO? If you're Ooh. if you're a premium member, you get the free upgrade. Oh, that would be dirty. <laughs> they do it too. They, they would, they would wouldn't do they? It. Dirty. <laughs> yeah, they would. <laughs> I mean, I'm already paying for the N64 game, so for me, it'd be like, eh, whatever. Yeah, but um, I mean, but, that would get people don't care about the retro catalog, and people don't mm. care about DLC. They just care about new game experiences. They and, and play in the best way possible. That might be a way to entice yeah, them because the, the, that's the, a that's always a question. The There's super the... Switch experience now available for Splatoon yeah. 3, Bayo 3, Xeno Investors 3. always grill for a call about how you're going to increase the appeal of NSO. And like, that's another idea they could throw <laughs> into there. That'd be dirty. But you know what? I, I Again, this is all just me. I, I am predicting that a lot of the second half games this year okay. will have some sort of upgrade path. Because that, that kind of happened. That happened with the Super Game Boy. There was a bunch of games that were, you know, not even made for the Super Game Boy mind, but had Super Game Boy enhancements. That happened with the DSi a little bit. It happened with the new 3DS. Mm -hmm. Some games were retroactively better. Like I remember Smash Brothers 3DS 
um, it had small advancements if you played it on a new 3DS. It would load way faster, stuff like that. Like it would just the performance would be a, get a little kick. Um, so I actually expect that. Like I, I actually, I actually would not be surprised if come end of July, come early August, the data miners get a hold of Xeno Three and they're like, "What's this pathway for running the game?" You know, with with super sampling. What's this mean, huh? Hmm. <laughs> you know, like. I'm not going to be shocked that happens, you know, whether it was, you know, three or Splatoon three shows up and they start seeing stuff in the code. That's like calling to like, you know, Game Boy Enhanced mode. Right. You know, like, 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 like Shantae did in on the original Game Boy Color, if you played it in an advance. So I, that is my, honestly, that's my prediction. And, and when Furukawa declined to comment about a hardware release to me, that was like, everything's lining up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like Breath of the Wild two is going to run on switch. It'll run better on a successor. It'll launch with a successor. And there'll be like a few games, probably late games this year, that'll take small advantage of the new hardware. And then going forward, uh, at least for like another good few years, Nintendo will release games. They'll play on the Switch. They'll play better on the Super Switch, whatever they end up calling it. Um, and to me, that that it's good that they're taking this seriously or, or at least like acknowledging the fact that yeah, we, we every time we have a super success, we're met with a downgrade afterwards. It's, I'm glad they're sort of acknowledging and, and seeing that and kind of actively trying to avoid those 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 mega drought years <laughs> that Nintendo typically like tends to do at the end of a, of a system's life. So I'm glad that's not happening, or at least they're trying to prevent that from happening. Um, but that combined with his non-committal about hardware, I'm like. Mm. Yeah, this this really seems to be lining up. There's like yeah. Nintendo's unpredictable until they're until they are predictable. Exactly, and and there's been a lot of like we've talked about way a lot in the past, but I mean there's been a lot of smoke around this like too that we're not we don't need to get into, but like has been the subject of discussion in past episodes about specifics of it. You, you brought up a few and stuff like DLSS being yeah. 4K, <laughs> and it's like where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's enough people pointing to this type of stuff that that like within mm-hmm. the next near future amount of years there's like yeah, oh, there's and, a successor coming yeah and i think there's other things too like it's not a big game it's not a big deal but um people were noticing today or last yesterday whenever the trailer came out for multiverses you know the free to play mm-hmm. uh, warner brothers fighter right it's not on switch and that seems like an oversight but on the same token it's like i feel this is going to start happening more and more where like games are just not they've scaled as hard as they can scale. Now, multiverses could definitely run on a Switch. I'm not saying it can't, but I'm I'm wondering if we're getting to a point where, especially with third parties who don't ever typically do as well as first party on Nintendo hardware, like it is not worth it for us to be porting our games down to your system. We don't get the return on numbers. Uh, The real killer could be something like Fortnite, you know, because they moved to Unreal Engine 5. What if they move to a version of Unreal Engine 5 they're like, it's not worth it for us to support the Switch any longer? I mean, I feel like this is just more evidence potentially of why this successor might be coming. Like, sure, multiverses might not be on Switch, but like potentially maybe it's like, well, we have back in the background, they're like, well, we have plans to put it on the successor. We just can't say it yet because they right. announced and, and, it yet. And, yeah. and again, maybe it's more just a thing of, of just kind of like, we're just going to see less and less and less and less third-party support on the system and that's usually doesn't really that doesn't really mean much for Nintendo or Nintendo, you know, the diehard fans. But 
there are a lot of casual fans out there who there are a lot of people who still play, you know, Assassin's Creed, still play, you know, their FIFAs and, and well, that's not FIFA anymore, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> like about that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then and and their Maddens and whatever, right? And it's like they don't. Some of these big, big, some of the biggest games just don't show up on the Switch. Like GTA Five could easily run the PS3 version on the Switch, no problem, but it doesn't. Um, maybe it's not worth it for Rockstar, but it's like there's a lot of big casual numbers that Nintendo's not quite is, is kind of a little not not like missing out on entirely, but kind of missing out on like a little bit. Where say if you have a successor come along and it can run some of these titles where it's like, Hey, you don't have to do cloud versions. You can just run uh, RE eight and seven in, in, you know, we all know force coming um, <laughs> like run it on the, the switch two or the super switch. Like it's not going to be a super, you know, time or money intensive thing to port it down, you know, to the regular, to the regular switch. Like, you yeah. know, so you start seeing a lot of exclusively, super switch games by third parties to show up and then it's kind of like that's good for nintendo because that in incentivizes people to upgrade which is which is what you want eventually anyways but it's like yeah imagine we're starting to get like some of like these big big games like what if i mean let's just think about this for 10 seconds you have a super switch what's one of its launch games in march 2023 elden ring on the go I mean. on only plays on super switch big incentive right there for everyone to just like oh i mean i, would I wouldn't get, mind doing another i, run I would elden absolutely ring get elden ring on a switch successor if it ran at like at okay. least stable 30 <laughs> yeah if it could run at stable 30 i would like absolutely play that on the go man so just yeah. just pointing that out there you know where it's like that like nintendo can use third parties as their own incentive beyond just like hey better running breath of the wild but they can use third parties as like you know incentives to get people to buy a switch successor. Yeah, I, yeah this all makes sense. That yeah. would be very, very tempting for me, honestly. If you especially if like they say the successor has an OLED screen. Um Which it probably won't. Probably uh, won't for cost cutting. I don't know. No, Maybe. it absolutely will have it. But like, if it has like, like an yeah, imagine an OLED screen. I'm just saying, imagine an OLED screen and it actually has way beefier hardware. So we can run Elden Ring at a decent enough rate, right? Hmm. That'd be great on the next plane trip or where, you know, whatever, next long car ride. And and to me, that's a big incentive for me to upgrade. Yeah. You know, if, if if that's something that comes oh, down to it'll it. be perfect because it'll also be like the definitive edition, like not definitive, but uh what are they called? Like anniversary like game of the year edition, or whatever. Cause like just yeah, probably goaties. Because be, you gotta get that DLC that's eventually gonna be announced, obviously, yeah. and like that'll probably be in there. So I mean, those types of like versions also do great. But you're I mean, you're you're right. This is all like this is a good strategy. It's speculation, but like it's, I feel like it, you know this 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 is getting closer and closer to reality. And again, if we look beyond, yeah. we haven't seen what Nintendo's doing for E3 this year, and they still have June, September, and, and February, um, you know, coming up. But it's like beyond Breath of the Wild two, which has been you know was supposed to be this year. All we really have left from them is Metroid Prime Four. And, and and it and I'm sure they oh, and I'm the sure they have, announce things yeah I'm and I'm sure. sure they have many many things yeah. in store I'm sure they do but I think even for Nintendo we're getting long in the tooth on on the switch because it's like you have your Mario Kart 
you have your Mario mainline Mario, you have your 2D Mario, sort of. <laughs> I guess they haven't done like an exclusive 2D, but they have Mario Maker 2. And but they like have you've the done port. your yeah, you've done your Animal Crossing, you know, you've done your Paper Mario, you've done your WarioWare, you know, you've done multiple Zeldas, you've done multiple Xeno plays now, you've done at least one big fire emblem, you've done multiple Musuos, you know, like they've they've gone through their you know, they multiple kirby's you know they've gone through a bunch of stuff you have your yoshi game everything um and now we're in the, we're now churning out sequels now which nintendo is like kind of a little rare um unless you're one of like you know their little they're they're sort of like you know forgotten you know uh un, unwanted franchises for nintendo like star fox and f-zero now or they don't want to touch it anymore um you pretty much have your staples from nintendo's first party and now you've had staples and your sequels to your staples. Um, I could, I could, could really use a new Donkey Kong, just saying. But, <laughs> but like, yeah, we, we've gotten to the point now where not only did we get a Luigi's Mansion, we've got a Mario Strikers out now. Um, and a heck in advance, whereas if it ever does come out. So it's like my, my, my point here is that like Nintendo's run through its, its staple of franchises for the system, which they generally only do one, maybe two of per system. So now it's a good time to have start thinking about why don't we do a successor, and then you're kind of like refreshing. You know, we're you know then you get into your MK9, Mario Kart 9, not more coming, Mario Kart 9, and you know your next big 3D Mario, your your you know your next whatever, right? Your next Animal Crossings, your next what have you, what have you. Um, it's about time to start going into that. I think. Yeah, I will say. I know the counter argument to this. People are like, well, it's doing so well. I already own this. Like, why are you like pushing for a new like successor when everything's doing so well? Like, why can't we have two or three sequels on a single hardware? And I mean, yes, th this is all, 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 all very true. But like the point is they want to have a smooth transition. It is good to, with this momentum going to move on to a successor while you've got this momentum going and like introduce sequels on these. And as we said, like there could be a, a, a forward compatible, backward compatible situation where like the games will run on both systems anyway. So like, you're not going to be left in the dust. Like I, th and I think truly think Nintendo is going to embrace that. So I wouldn't, I and, wouldn't really, I personally wouldn't worry yeah. about it. I, I mean, if I'm and wrong, that's what I'm I, wrong but that's... I don't think it will be. That's what I think a smooth transition is. Yeah. That's what a smooth transition is, is saying like we're going to we're going to have our our sort of next gen bump, but it's going to be compatible with the old system as well. No one's getting left out. Yep. We're just sort of incentivizing you to upgrade your your system a little bit to, to you know get a little bit of a little better ex, you know a little nicer experience on that that newer model and if you don't have the if you don't have the money or you know we, you can't find it no worries you're not missing out on the game you can still buy the game you can still play the game it's still gonna run you know you're still gonna run you're still gonna be able to enjoy you know the game it's like it's like a ton of people with you know well i mean it's on pc but like a ton of people with elden ring like not a lot of people can find a ps5 you know yeah for what it so it's like no one's missing out they just bought the ps4 version had a good old time um yeah. you know played low end on low end specs on pc so i think that's what a smooth transition is a smooth transition is basically saying like we're not going to slow down our production because we have to stop developing games for this little garden walled off console and then start moving to the next 
plot of land and it's its own little walled off garden of hardware and whatever. No, our smooth transition is knocking down those walls and kind of like letting, you know, you intermingle between both sets of hardware. Yeah. Where you and can I, still and play I think, it on both. And We're not slowing down very production right of the game. About, um, sorry, the, uh, you mentioned like the shortages with PS5. This strategy is also very smart in case, for whatever reason, the components for the Switch's successor aren't as easy to come by. It means, hey, if you're still not able to snag a Switch 2, you're also not going to be screwed out of these games because they still will be playable on your OG Switch models. So everything we're saying here absolutely adds up to what I think is like what they are thinking of. It's not just... It's like behind-the-scenes business stuff as well as like the software plans that they have going. And... I think honestly, I think within the next six to twelve months maximum, we will be hearing about talk from Nintendo themselves about the successor. That would be my 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 wager at this point. So because I do think it's very likely that you said that like Breath of the Wild sequel could be that flagship title to push the launch of the the successor, as well as some of the more recent games. Uh, I mean, leading up to it, having enhancements possible on it as well. Like, I, I agree with you on all that stuff. So the I think the only time in, like Zelda has been super successful outside of a launch has been Ocarina of Time. And that was uh, you were there for that. You remember that was the most hyped up game in existence. You know, that was that was like cyberpunk GTA five levels of, of hype and you know, whatever, when that game, that was the most hyped thing in, in humanity and video gaming at the time. But other than that, and even then that only pushed however many, the only time Zelda's ever really crashed through big time numbers wise was first Twilight Princess on the Wii and now Breath of the Wild. So I think Nintendo looks at that. They look at the numbers that Skyward Sword did. They look at the numbers Majora's Mask did and they, and they, they kind of can see already. I'm like, a Zelda, a Zelda game released on its own in the middle of a console's life cycle doesn't reach the numbers that a launch Zelda does. And I think Breath of the Wild, to me, is just like, they have to know that if you had Breath of the Wild 2 coming out on the Switch, just the Switch, there is no successor, there is nothing else, it's never going to sell anywhere close yeah. to as much as Breath of the Wild 1 did. And this game has been costly for them. They've been working on it forever. So it's it's taken a lot of time and a lot of effort to get this sequel done for whatever reason. And part of me is just like, and they're and they're they're their best their best, you know, I would say the best um outlook is like they sell 12 million copies of Breath of the Wild 2, maybe. If there was no successor, if there was no new system, and it was just hey, comes out in March on like the six-year anniversary. A Breath of the Wild one, you know, I think you have like a Frozen two situation where it's just kind of like it comes and goes real, real fast. Isn't isn't anywhere near the phenomenon of the first game. But if it's tied to a fresh hardware launch, and it's like this, oh my god, you got to get this with this, and everyone's busting down the doors trying to get, you know, the Super Switch, and then they're going to get Breath of the Wild because it's going to look and run the best on that, and then everyone else has FOMO, you know, it's like, crap, I can't find a Super Switch, but you know what? It still runs on my Switch. I'm not going to miss out like, you know, I'm not going to miss out just because I can't find it. I'll still get in. So everyone joins in. And I think Nintendo has to know this. And this is why I'm like, this this whole push to spring, I'm like, that's because I think Nintendo knows that like the best chance for getting the maximum amount of sales out of Breath of the Wild 2 
is launching it with hardware. Yeah, that's that's my personal belief. Like, that's I think the best I, I, so, way to get the highest number of, of yeah. numbers. I'll close out by saying I think its maximum potential would be achieved if it was launched alongside new hardware because it makes it even more of a tentpole event. The sequel on its own, I think, is going to be a big deal. But like you're kind of right that like it has the potential to be flash in the pan where it's big. It's big, but it doesn't have the same longevity as the original one. It like kind of just like passes us over after it's like week or two in the like the limelight, and then and no one remembers it. But if it's tied to a new hardware, it's kind of like still in the headlines for a little bit longer at the very least, and it, it like it bolsters. It gets tied. It gets yeah. tied to that hardware. Yeah. So I I think I think that's totally plausible. But I also again also would I think you're the same mentality. If it doesn't happen, that's like so be it. You know, there's, there's still a sequel coming, and like. I'm yeah. sure it'll be like good and stuff, just like you know, a lot of their games have been. But yeah, yeah. again, if if none of this comes to pass, if I'm just totally wrong, I'm totally and it's it's very you know very possible, I'm just totally off base on all my predictions here. Oh well. Yeah, it's, I'm still getting. It's, I'm still getting Breath of the Wild too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still, that's like the games are still coming. So yeah, but yeah, I think that's that's pretty good discussion there on what we think the smooth transition is going to be. Obviously, if you had some different ideas or you know something that we missed, let us know in the comments. We'll check those out. Um, yeah, I want to thank you again for for joining me, Matt, to, to, to talk about this, especially after coming oh, back yeah. from a getting some rest after that long vacation of yours and uh, <laughs> that long flight back, which you know served as good a. Uh, Good fodder for uh, you know talking about Switch and uh, its limitations in the the handheld mode. Yeah. Oh my god! And really, the only big limitation was just the way that their online check-in system works. Yeah. Where it's just like, why is it like this? Whatever. <laughs> but, yeah. So like when I was playing with the Switch Lite a lot and made it my secondary system, anytime like we had, like we didn't have internet or something like shit, I can't play anything because all my dumb games are there digital. I'm like, thanks yeah. Nintendo. It's like, but you know, whatever. Who knows if they'll change that? Yeah, but. They, they they need to work on their check-in system, like yeah. like give it like a twenty-four hour block for God's sake. Yeah, that's what a lot of them do. Like even rentals stuff, like they like you do a, 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 a you do that first check, you have a time window where that's it's now good for this long. So it's like just yeah, which you know. is what NSO does. Mm-hmm. NSO does that. They give you a, they give this like, like some oh yeah, time they do that to too. Yeah, 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 they do too. Why? Why are digital like, download games not? Yeah. Why do they have to? Why do they have to check in every like this is Xbox Bowl? Oh, Nintendo. <laughs> this this oh. is like the original envision of the Xbox One. Crunch. Oh yeah, I remember that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> they also have some issues though. Recently, to be fair, the 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 network issues with Xbox. Oh God! Uh, recently, I heard about that. there was some issues with this too, but that was like their network being down. So that was, you know, this all digital future for some people. It's got lots of promises and potential, but remember, there's also some pitfalls while we work through oh, the technological God. part of it, and you know, got to get that internet and um, ISPs to be where they need to be someday. We'll see. But yeah, thank you, man, for joining me. And uh, before I let you let, uh, well, actually, just do it now, man. Uh, for those of our listeners and viewers who want to follow you and check out more, where you know the usual, where can they? Uh, hit you, uh, up? you can find our our archives of our big streams at YouTube.com/slash Yo Video Games, and then I am on Twitch.tv, uh, Twitch.tv/slash Assist Me Doom, all one word. Every Monday, I play a Monolith Soft game. We are doing a Xeno Legacy leading up to July 29th, where I play every single Xeno game except the weird mobiles stuff for Xeno Saga, because there's no way for me to even play that anyways. 
Um, but I'm already past all that. I'm past Xeno Gears and past Xeno Saga. Thank God. Um, we are starting the Blades. So if you want to uh, Monday nights, if you want to see me play the Xeno Blade games, um, including the <laughs> including the forgotten one, Xenoblade X, uh, you can mm-hmm. check out twitch.tv slash assist me doom. Nice. Uh, we also have some uh, shout outs for the month of May 2022. Um, these are our high tier patrons, um, as well as some of the people above the shout out tier. So for this month, it's Jabawabs, El Thanis, Greg, the Dark Knight Kettering, Caleb, Togi, Crawford, Nick, and Anna Croft. Shout out. Thank you so much to all of you for your generosity. And yeah, um, just a reminder, we are weeks away, not even a month, weeks away from the, the the Keeley event, the his uh, his little press conference thing, the summer game fest kickoff thing that he's doing. We got Bethesda, Microsoft got a date. We, Jeff Grubb talking about you Sony know, being in the first you week. Know, we got, it's, uh, it's we're, kind we're, we're of getting funny. there. We're close. It's kind of funny how a little while ago they're like the Xbox and Bethesda and Bethesda game show because even though Bethesda is Microsoft, whatever. And I'm like, so is it now an apology to her? Oh. For, for both the Bethesda's games not made, which you know what I am super glad about that. I know it's terrible for the the people looking forward to it, but I'm like, bro, can you imagine a Bethesda game coming out that doesn't have to be fixed by modders? Like, let's just think about that for yeah. a minute. Think how nice that could be. You know, like a smooth transition to Starfield launch. That's you know for our, for the Xbox fans up there. It's it's good. It'll be good. It's better in the long run. <laughs> <laughs> and and of course, whatever Nintendo does, which they haven't announced anything, but it's like it's going to be real awkward if Nintendo doesn't do something in June. Yeah, like real awkward if they don't. Yeah, and they got enough to talk about. Come on, they got two games in June: Xenoblade Three in July. You know, stolen from Splatoon in September. <laughs> I, I've it, seen some salt online about that, and I just find it hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I do expect by the next next episode we'll be at least hearing rumors of when Nintendo's event is going to be. Um, so I, I, I'm planning to make the next episode for those interested uh, be the kind of like the preview predictions episode for what you gotta we make will a bingo expect. chart. Yeah, for from a Nintendo Summer Direct, and then uh, the episode after that will very likely will be. The week of them doing their direct, I hope. Like it's usually that's the week they do it. I'm hoping it's that Tuesday, and uh, um, right after all that happens on Tuesday, I think we will probably try and do a live episode discussing everything we saw and thoughts and impressions on that. But yeah, good a uh, good few weeks coming up here for for everyone, not just like Nintendo stuff, but for just like game industry stuff in general. So. We're almost there. Almost there. I know it hurt. It stung that there's no E3 proper, but I have a feeling that the announcements from these conferences this year might be a little bit more juicy than they were last year after last year's kind of a bomba, <laughs> bomba fest of a... Hey, you know, <laughs> last year Nintendo had to save everyone. So, n- yeah, good. Nintendo had a decent showing and uh, Elden Ring saved uh, the, the Summer Game Fest kickoff, but... Man, there are a lot of stinkers in there, but I don't think it's going to be that case this year. We got a lot of stuff. So buckle up. We are almost there. And until then, may the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. 